Section thirty three of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume eight, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton, eighteen twenty one to eighteen ninety. Section thirty three. When it was the eight hundred and sixty-eighth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Nur al-Din was delighted with the girl's verses, and he swayed from side to side for drunkenness, and fell appraising her, and saying, A lutinist to us inclined, and stole our wits bemused with wine, and said to us her lute, the Lord, bade us discourse by voice divine. When she heard him thus improvise, the girl gazed at him with loving eyes, and redoubled in passion and desire for him increased upon her. And indeed she marvelled at his beauty and loveliness, symmetry and grace, so that she could not contain herself, but took the lute in lap again and sang these couplets. He blames me for casting on him my sight, and parts from me, bearing my life and sprite. He repels me, but kens what my heart endures, as though Allah himself had inspired the white. I portrayed his portrait in palm of hand, and cried to mine eyes, Weep your doleful plight, for neither shall eyes of me spy his like, nor my heart have patience to bear its blight. Wherefore will I tear thee from breast, O heart, as one who regards him with jealous spite? And when, say I, O heart be consoled for pine, tis that heart to none other shall e'er incline. Nur al-Din wondered at the charms of her verse, and the elegance of her expression, and the sweetness of her voice, and the eloquence of her speech, and his wit fled for stress of love and longing and ecstasy and distraction, so that he could not refrain from her a single moment, but bent to her, and strained her to his bosom, and she in like manner bowed her form over his, and abandoned herself to his embrace, and bust him between the eyes. Then he kissed her on the mouth, and played with her at kisses after the manner of the billing of doves, and she met him with like warmth, and did with him as she was done by, till the others were distracted and rose to their feet, whereupon Nur al-Din was ashamed and held his hand from her. Then she took her lute, and preluding thereon in manifold modes, lastly returned to the first and sang these couplets. A moon, when he bends him, those eyes lay bare, a brand that gars gazing gazelle despair. A king, Rarest charms are the host of him, and his lance-like shape men with Cain compare. Were his softness of sides to his heart transferred, his friend had not suffered such cark and care. Ah, for hardest heart and for softest sides, why not that to these altar? Make here go there. O thou who accusest my love excuse, take eternal and leave me the transient share. When Nur al-Din heard the sweetness of her voice and the rareness of her verse, he inclined to her for delight, and could not contain himself for excess of wonderment, so he recited these couplets. Methought she was the foreknown sun, until she donned the veil, but lit she fire in vital's mind still flaring fierce and high. How had it hurt her, and she deigned return my poor salam, with fingertips or e'en vouchsafed one little wink of eye? The cavalier who spied her face was wholly stupefied by charms that glorify the place, and every charm outvie. Be this the fair who makes thee pine and long for love lease? Indeed thou art excused, this is my fairest she, quoth I. 
who shot me with the shaft of looks nor deigns to rue my woes of strangerhood and broken heart and love i must abide i rose a morn with vanquished heart to longing love a prey and weep i through the livelong day and all the night i cry the girl marvelled at his eloquence and elegance and taking her lute smote thereon with the goodliest of performance repeating all the melodies and sang these couplets by the life of thy face o thou life of my sprite i'll ne'er leave thy love for despair or delight when art cruel thy vision stands hard by my side and the thought of thee haunts me when far from sight oh who saddenest my glance i'll be weeting that i no love but thy love will for ever requite thy cheeks are of rose and thy lips dews are wine say wilt grudge them to us in this charming sight hereat nur al-din was gladdened with extreme gladness and wondered with the utmost wonder so he answered her verse with these couplets the sun yellowed not in the murk gloom line but lay pearl in veiled neath horizon chine nor showed its crest to the eyes of morn but took refuge from parting with morning shine take my tear-drops that trickle as chain on chain and they'll tell my case with the clearest sign and my tears be likened to nile flood like malik's flooded flat be this love o' mine quoth she bring thy riches quoth i come take and thy sleep yes take it from lids of eyne when the girl heard nur al-din's words and noted the beauty of his eloquence her senses fled and her wit was dazed and love of him gat hold upon her whole heart so she pressed him to her bosom and fell to kissing him like the billing of doves whilst he returned her caresses with successive kisses but preeminence appertaineth to precedence when she had made an end of kissing she took the lute and recited these couplets alas alack and well away for blamer's calumny whether or not i make my moan or plead or show no plea o spurner of my love i ne'er of thee so hard would deem that i of thee should be despised of thee my property i want at lovers love to rail and for their passion chide but now i fain debase myself to all who rail at thee yea only yesterday i want all amorists to blame but now i pardon hearts that pine for passion's ecstasy and of my stress of parting stour on me so heavy weighs a morning prayer to him i'll cry in thy name o ali and also these two couplets his lovers said unless he deign to give us all a drink of wine of fine old wine his lips deal in their purity we to the lord of threefold world will pray to grant our prayer and all exclaim with single cry in thy name o ali nur al-din hearing these lines and their rhyme marvelled at the fluency of her tongue and thanked her praising her grace and passing seductiveness and the damsel delighted at his praise arose without stay or delay and doffing that was upon her of outer dress and trinkets till she was free of all encumbrance sat down on his knees and kissed him between the eyes and on his cheek-mole then she gave him all she had put off and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and sixty-ninth night she pursued it hath reached me o auspicious king that the girl gave to nur al-din all she had doffed saying o beloved of my heart in very sooth the gift is after the measure of the giver so he accepted this from her and gave it back to her and kissed her on the mouth and cheeks and eyes when this was ended and done for naught is durable save the living the eternal provider of the peacock and the owl 
Nur al-Din rose from the seance and stood upon his feet, because the darkness was now fallen and the stars shone out, whereupon quoth the damsel to him, Whither away, O my lord? And quoth he, To my father's home. Then the sons of the merchants conjured him to night with them, but he refused, and mounting his shimul, rode without stopping till he reached his parents' house, where his mother met him, and said to him, O my son, what hath kept thee away till this hour? By Allah thou hast troubled myself and thy sire by thine absence from us, and our hearts have been occupied with thee. Then she came up to him, to kiss him on his mouth, and smelling the fumes of the wine, said, O my son, how is it that after prayer and worship thou hast become a wine-bibber and a rebel against him to whom belong creation and commandment? But Nur al-Din threw himself down on the bed and lay there. Presently in came his sire and said, What aileth Nur al-Din to lie thus? And his mother answered, Twould seem his head acheth for the air of the garden. So Taj al-Din went up to his son to ask him of his ailment, and salute him, and smelt the reek of wine. Now the merchant loved not wine-drinkers, so he said to Nur al-Din, Woe to thee, O my son! Is folly come to such a pass with thee that thou drinkest wine? When Nur al-Din heard his sire say this, he raised his hand, being yet in his drunkenness, and dealt him a buffet. When, by decree of the decreer, the blow lit on his father's right eye, which rolled down on his cheek, whereupon he fell a-swoon and lay therein a while. They sprinkled rose-water on him till he recovered, when he would have beaten his son. But the mother withheld him, and he swore by the oath of divorce from his wife, that as soon as morning morrowed he would assuredly cut off his son's right hand. When she heard her husband's word, her breast was straightened, and she feared for her son, and ceased not to soothe and appease his sire till sleep overcame him. Then she waited till moonrise, when she went in to her son, whose drunkenness had now departed from him, and said to him, O Nur al-Din, what is this foul deed thou didst with thy sire? He asked, And what did I with him? And answered she, Thou dealtest him a buffet on the right eye, and struckest it out, so that it rolled down his cheek, and he hath sworn by the divorce oath that as soon as morning shall morrow he will without fail cut off thy right hand. Nur al-Din repented him of that he had done, whenas repentance profited him not, and his mother said to him, O my son, this penitence will not profit thee, nor will aught avail thee, but that thou arise forthwith, and seek safety in flight. Go forth the house privily, and take refuge with one of thy friends, and there what Allah shall do await, for he changeth case after case, and state upon state. Then she opened a chest, and taking out a purse of an hundred dinars, said, O my son, take these dinars, and provide thy wants therewith. And when they are at an end, O my son, send and let me know thereof, that I may send thee other than these. And at the same time, covey to me news of thyself privily. Haply, Allah will decree thee relief, and thou shalt return to thy home. And she farewelled him, and wept passing sore. Naught could be more. Thereupon, Nur al-Din took the purse of gold, and was about to set forth, when he espied a great purse containing a thousand dinars, which his mother had forgotten by the side of the chest. So he took this also, and binding the two purses about his middle, set out before dawn, threading the streets in the directions of Bulak, where he arrived when day broke and all creatures arose, attesting the unity of Allah the Opener, and went forth each of them upon his several business, to win that which Allah had unto him allotted. Reaching Bulak, 
he walked on along the river-bank till he sighted a ship with her gangway out and her four anchors made fast to the land the folk were going up into her and coming down from her and nur al-din seeing some sailors there standing asked them whither they were bound and they answered to rosetta city quoth he take me with you and quoth they welcome and welcome to thee to thee o goodly one so he betook himself forthright to the market and buying what he needed of vivers and bedding and covering returned to the port and went on board the ship which was ready to sail and tarried with him but a little while before she weighed anchor and fared on without stopping till she reached rosetta where nur al-din saw a small boat going to alexandria so he embarked in it and traversing the sea-arm of rosetta fared on till he came to a bridge called al-jami where he landed and entered alexandria by the gate called the gate of the lote tree allah protected him so that none of those who stood on guard at the gate saw him and he walked on till he entered the city and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and seventieth night she resumed it hath reached me o auspicious king that when nur al-din entered alexandria he found it a city goodly of pleasances delightful to its inhabitants and inviting to inhabit therein winter had fared from it with his cold and prime was come to it with his roses its flowers were kindly and ripe and welled forth its rills indeed it was a city goodly of ordinance and disposition its folk were of the best of men and when the gates thereof were shut its folk were safe and it was even as is said of it in these couplets quoth i to a comrade one day a man of good speech and rare describe alexandria quoth he tis a march-town fair quoth i is there living therein and he and the wind blow there or as saith one of the poets alexandria's a frontier whose dews of lips are sweet and clear how fair the coming to it is so one therein no raven spear nor al-din walked about the city and ceased not walking till he came to the merchant's bazaar whence he passed on to the mart of the money-changers and so on in turn to the markets of the confectioners and fruiterers and druggists marvelling as he went at the city for that the nature of its qualities accorded with its name as he walked in the druggist's bazaar behold an old man came down from his shop and saluting him took him by the hand and carried him to his home and nur al-din saw a fair by-street swept and sprinkled whereon the zephyr blew and made pleasantness pervade it and the leaves of the trees overshaded it therein stood three houses and at the upper end a mansion whose foundations were firm sunk in the water and its walls towered to the confines of the sky they had swept the space before it and they had sprinkled it freshly so it exhaled the fragrance of flowers borne on the zephyr which breathed upon the place and the scent met there who approached it on such wise as it were one of the gardens of paradise and as they had cleaned and cooled the by-street's head so was the end of it with marble spread the sheikh carried nur al-din into the house and setting somewhat of food before him ate with his guest when they had made an end of eating the druggist said to him when camest thou hither from cairo and nur al-din replied this very night o my father quoth the old man what is thy name and quoth he ali nur al-din said the druggist o my son o nur al-din be the triple divorce incumbent on me and thou leave me so long as thou abidest in this city and i will set thee apart a place wherein thou mayst dwell 
Nur al-Din asked, O my lord the sheikh, let me know more of thee. And the other answered, Know, O my son, that some years ago I went to Cairo with merchandise, which I sold there, and bought other, and I had occasion for a thousand dinars. So thy sire, Taj al-Din, weighed them out for me, all unknowing me, and would take no written word of me, but had patience with me till I returned hither, and sent him the amount by one of my servants, together with a gift. I saw thee, whilst thou wast little, and if it please Allah the Most High, I will repay thee somewhat of the kindness thy father did me. When Nur al-Din heard the old man's story, he showed joy, and pulling out with a smile the purse of a thousand dinars, gave it to his host the sheikh, and said to him, Take charge of this deposit for me, against I buy me somewhat of merchandise whereon to trade. Then he abode some time in Alexandria city, taking his pleasure every day in its thoroughfares, eating and drinking, and indulging himself with mirth and merriment, till he had made an end of the hundred dinars he had kept by way of spending money. Whereupon he repaired to the old druggist to take of him somewhat of the thousand dinars to spend, but found him not in his shop, and took a seat therein to await his return. He sat there, gazing right and left, and amusing himself with watching the merchants and the passers-by, and as he was thus engaged, behold, there came into the bazaar a Persian riding on a she-mule, and carrying behind him a damsel, as she were argent of alloy free, or a fish balti, in mimic sea, or a doe gazelle on desert lee. Her face outshone the sun in shine, and she had witching eyne, and breasts of ivory white, teeth of marguerite, slender waist and sides dimpled deep, and calves like tails of fat sheep, and indeed she was perfect in beauty and loveliness, elegant stature and symmetrical grace, even as saith one, describing her, "'Twas as by will of her she was create, nor short nor long, but beauty's mould and mate. Rose blushes reddest when she sees those cheeks, and fruits the bough, those marvel charms amate. Moon is her favour, musk the scent of her, branches her shape. Ah, she passeth man's estate, tis e'en as were she cast in freshest pearl, and every limblet shows a moon innate. Presently the Persian lighted down from his she-mule, and making the damsel also dismount loudly, summoned the broker, and said to him as soon as he came, Take this damsel, and cry her for sale in the market. So he took her, and leading her to the middlemost of the bazaar, disappeared for a while, and presently he returned with a stool of ebony inlaid with ivory, and setting it upon the ground, seated her thereon. Then he raised her veil, and discovered a face, as it were a median targe, or a cluster of pearls. And indeed she was like the full moon, when it filleth on its fourteenth night, accomplished in brilliant beauty. As saith the poet, Vied the full moon for folly with her face, But was eclipsed, and split for rage full sore, and if the spiring ban with her contend, Perish her hands who load of fuel bore. And how well saith another, Say to the fair in the rotten veil, How hast made that monk-like worshipper ail? Light of veil and light of face under it, Made the host of darkness to fly from bale. And when came my glance to steal look at cheek, With a meteor shaft the guard made me quail. Then said the broker to the merchants, how much do you bid for the union pearl of the diver and prize quarry of the fowler? Quoth one, She is mine for an hundred dinars, and another said two hundred, and a third three hundred, and they ceased not to bid one against the other, till they made her price nine hundred and fifty dinars, and there the bidding stopped 
awaiting acceptance and consent. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 33